0: Colossians chapter 2, page 1183. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of, of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail for what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its fragments and sinus, grows as God causes it to grow." Since you died with Christ, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as they still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do you not handle, do you not taste, do you not touch? These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, with their self imposed worship their false humility, and the harsh treatment of the body, while they lack any value in restraining the central indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Uh, if you still have your Bible open with you, uh, we're on page 1183. page 1183, and we're looking at Colossians chapter 2 from verses 16 to the end of the chapter. Uh, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, would you help us as we come to your word, open our eyes and our hearts so that we can see the wonders of your love through your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, If you ask your friends or your colleagues, what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, what kind of answers do you think you will get? Uh, maybe you have to come to church every Sunday. Uh, maybe you pray. Or maybe to be a Christian, you have to read the Bible. Or someone, maybe being a Christian, is being someone who likes to help old people across the road, Or perhaps um, someone who preaches against the Big Five. Uh, No dancing, no drinking, no smoking, no gambling, and no theatre going. And and just imagine if you actually believe any of the things they've just described to you, uh, what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Based on, on that list that you just heard, would you say you are a good Christian? Holy and spiritual? Well our passage begins with uh, therefore So obviously something had happened already Otherwise why would you say therefore And so why don't we take a peek together uh, to the Just three verses before our passage today So from verse 13 of the same chapter You ready? Uh, Paul explained to us that when you were dead in your sins and, and dead in uncircumcision of your flesh God made you alive with Christ he forgave us all our sins he cancelled the charges the charge of our legal indebtedness and that, that's a weird term uh, legal indebtedness is basically a, a written record of what you owed back in the days when you borrow money you owe people money you write that down so people can ignore and pretend that didn't happen. And that written document will be used against you as piece of evidence. And if you, if you don't pay back, people can sue you and bring, bring you to the court. And then if you ended up being naughty and you don't pay back the money, and you're being sued, and you got charged of uh, being a theft, a thief, charge of theft, and if you were to put it into the present that piece of document could also be used um, as the evidence nailed to, to the present door to show people what you have been charged of. That's, you know, that piece of written document that's legal indebtedness. Um, but verse 14 says he had taken that list away nailing it to the cross. Basically Uh, Jesus had paid your debt in full. He has served your sentence for you. Not only has he done that, but it also says in verse 15, he has triumphing over his enemies by the cross. He has disarmed the powers and authorities. I really like the picture Paul painted for us here. Uh, Imagine you are with the Colossian believers, uh, Colossian residents, uh, and imagine you are in the town square and then the army, army general returns from, from his battle with his soldiers and you are, you are standing in the middle of the town square welcoming them, cheering for them They have won the battle Then towards the back of that triumphal procession um, you notice a group of people following closely behind stripped of their armors and weapons, all tied up, powerless for everyone to see. And you can tell straight away, they are the captives of war, uh, the defeated king, his soldiers and his people. They are the losers. Uh, this is what it means here in verse 15, our God who won the war had utterly defeated his enemies. He disarmed their powers, and he made them a public spectacle for everyone to see. So keep that that picture in your mind as we move on. Uh, God already made you alive through Jesus. Your list of sins has been taken away and nailed on the cross. And he has defeated the enemies by the cross. The enemies are now powerless. So those are the things that had happened already. Therefore, firstly, let no one pass judgment on you with their rules. Uh, Can you imagine, after after you received Jesus and became a Christian, and you decided to come to St. John's and to make this church your church family. And then one day you discovered everyone here at St. John's eats cereals for breakfast. But you are the only person who eats porridge for breakfast. Uh, So now you feel the pressure to start uh, thinking whether you should start eating cereals for breakfast. Because all those who eat cereals at St. John's tell you that cereal eating is the right thing to do. It's good for you. And then you heard this guy Aaron uh, telling you not only should you eat cereals for breakfast, uh, you eat two bowls of cereals on Sunday morning because that's what a good Christian would do. Uh, what would you make of that? It sounds ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, well, that, that's the point Paul is making. Paul tells the Colossian believers don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or what you don't eat or don't drink. And don't let anyone judge you whether you keep certain religious festivals or special days. This is rather weird instruction given by Paul, especially when we come to verse 17. Uh, what did Paul mean by shadow of the things to come? And thankfully, Corinne had already explained to us, so that safe so, us. Uh, time a little bit. Now, in the Old Testament, ta- uh, Old Testament time, before Jesus came, God's people were given instructions of what they can eat and what they can't eat. Uh, modern scientists would tell you that there are actually health benefits to those strict instructions. But, but that's not our point here. We, we're not going there at all. Uh, because verse 17 tells us that those are all but a shadow pointing to Christ um, take the festival of unleavened bread for example, don't know if you heard, heard that festival that's the time before Passover so for, for, for a week they don't eat leavened bread uh, leaven often represents sin and decay in the Bible and if any of you makes bread or pizza doughs, you know that when you mix yeast into the, the dough, once you mix it, it becomes uh, an inseparable part of the bread. Just like sin's effect on our lives. So the, the Israelites avoid using yeast altogether over the duration of the festival to re- remind themselves of their sins. And then this Passover, which you are more familiar with. Um, The Israelites, they will celebrate Passover because it reminded them of God's salvation. Everyone was meant to die for their sins, but God had passed over their household um, and spared their lives because an unblemished sacrifice was made on their behalf. And so, when the first bunch of Jewish believers when they recognized and believed Jesus is the Messiah, the perfect sinless sacrifice who offered a permanent solution for their sins. It's so exciting. They started to connect all the dots uh, and started to see how their law, their traditions, and their festivals all pointed to Jesus. And that's a very exciting discovery if you grew up in that culture and you suddenly realize, oh yeah, this is about Jesus Uh, But when the Gospel started to spread, people from all over the world started to become Christians. They started to believe in Jesus. Uh, They received God's invitation and they became God's children. God had made them alive just as He had made the first bunch of Jewish believers alive. But those new Christians, They grew up eating different food. They probably never knew a single festival the Jewish people celebrated. But they became Christians. So then, if those new believers, new generations of believers came to faith, um, fully accepted by God, while they were eating different food, why would you then Why would we make a fuss Of what they eat or what they don't eat? Or if they don't celebrate Our festivals Because those things are only Shadows pointing to Jesus In verse 17 Imagine when you go home today Tonight Maybe your family members are so happy to see you coming home, and so they come up to you, welcoming you home, but then they started to hug and kiss your um, shadow you'd be thinking, there's something wrong about them, wouldn't you look at me, I'm, I'm here, I'm home come and hug and kiss me why kiss my shadow um, that's what Paul saying now that you have got Jesus already pay attention to him don't let others judge you for not kissing and hugging his shadow. No matter how good looking Jesus' shadow might be, um, that's just his shadows. I mean, you, you might be tempted to kiss and hug his shadows. But he is Christ, and he is the reality. What he has done for you and I on the cross is the reality. Um, we belong to God. He has made us alive already. That's the reality. And if God had already stripped all the powers of the authorities to make his point, to make this point, that he has already made us alive, then he's already so happy for you. He's very happy with you. There's nothing you could do to make him happier. There's nothing you could do to, to get you where you are at already. You are already there. So whether you eat cereal or porridge for breakfast, God is equally happy for you. So don't let others decide for you what you can do or not do, especially when they tell you that you need to to follow those rules in order to make God happy. Ah, Secondly, let no one disqualify you with their false humility. If our first point is to do with the reasons behind why we do or don't do things, then our second point is about the motivation behind the why. Uh, verse 18, They delight in false humility. They are puffed up and with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. In, an, in another word, their outward performances are just for show. Just for sure. And Paul says, "Don't let those who delight in false humility disqualify you." Um, why the need to worship angels? Uh, um, the word "worship" here—I looked up because I thought it's a bit weird—and um, I noticed this, this word is a little different from the usual word that we use. the worship of God Um, this one here has has a cultish origin Paul was warning the believers against adopting those unnecessary practices from from their surrounding cultures there's lots of different gods demigods and all that so Paul was warning them from from, from that culture but you know what I'm sure you've come across people like that too I have um, come across people who claim they are Christians, so those people who claim they are Christians, but they pray to the angels, they pray to the apostles, and they worship the Virgin Mary, and they pray to the saints too. And I guess you could say, those people, Mary, saints, apostles, they are all angels of some sort, because angel literally means messengers. And the rationale behind you know, behind them, praying to them, worshipping them, is that we really are unworthy to come before God to speak to him directly. So people pray to the saints, to the angels, etc. And hoping that they will then carry the, their prayers to God on their behalf. After all, they are God's messengers. It's a very... It's a way to show their humility because of our unworthiness as human. But remember what God has done for us already. He made us worthy through Jesus Christ, our only mediator. Because of Christ, we can come directly to God through Jesus with confidence. So those who worship angels or Mary over the lights it's like saying to Jesus, "Step aside, Jesus. I'm talking to Mary right now." It's an insult to Christ. It's basically ignoring what God has done for us. And Paul warns, Paul warns the believers about that. Don't let those people disqualify you. Another type of false humility Paul spoke about uh, in verse verses 22 and 23 it's all those man-made rules of do's and don'ts along with harsh treatments of their body now they do that because they say the world is evil and the desire of the world is evil and we should not love the world therefore we should deny ourselves but if we're not careful this can easily lead to spiritual pride and self-righteousness As we follow specific rules, hoping to earn favor with God, and some people go to the extreme to harm their bodies to show that they are there, they're getting there. They they want to please God by harming their bodies, which is a weird thing to do because the Bible teaches us that our body is the temple of God, of the Spirit. Why would you harm? Why would you you destroy the building? where Holy Spirit dwells in. Uh, in the Philippines, every Easter, some people would imitate Christ's crucifixion. And they were whipped and nailed, literally nailed, to the, to the cross. They want to experience what Jesus experienced. But, you see, when you think about it, this type of perverted self-denial actually ended up drawing people drawing people's attention to, to them. And instead of giving glory to God and pointing people pointing people to Christ, uh, this kind of false humility ended up robbing God of His glory, uh, ended up pointing people to, to those people themselves. Because you've become the focal point now. You achieved what others couldn't. You are more superior than, than others and you're showing others you're a better Christian than them. And you are familiar with the story of Martin Luther, the, the great performer? Uh, if you like a quick overview to who he was and his um, contribution towards how we do church today, uh, to watch the 2000, 2003 film, Luther, starring Joseph Foynes. Uh, that's one of my favorite films as well. When he was a young monk, Martin Luther was taught many rituals that would help him draw close to God. He was taught in the monastery to find acceptance with God through works. And he wrote, this is what he said, When I was a monk, I wearied myself greatly for almost 15 years with the daily sacrifice, tortured myself with fastings, vigils, prayers, and other very rigorous, rigorous works, including phrasing myself almost to death. I earnestly thought to acquire righteousness by my words. Later, Luther even climbed um, the Scala Sancta, uh, the Holy Stairs, supposedly the stairs that Jesus climbed as he went up to, to be judged by Pilate. Uh, Luther, he climbed up the stairs with his knees, stopped and kissed every step, saying the Lord's Prayer at every step. Isn't that crazy? Uh, But when he arrived at the top, he said, it didn't make him feel any closer to God. You see, the rules set by those religious leaders almost disqualified Luther because they didn't Luther, no good. Not a single bit. Practicing religion didn't make him holier. It didn't make him more, more righteous. Instead, it almost destroyed him. It was when Luther understood that it was all about God's grace. What he has done for us. He understood that the price is Christ. His relationship with God is what it matters So Paul says, don't let those who delight in false humility disqualify you. Again, remember that God has already made you alive through Christ. He has already, He is already so happy for you. Therefore, lastly, our final point, keep hold on to Christ. Stick with Jesus. Stay connected to the head. Uh, I'm not not trying to say say to you you should just now don't do anything. That's not what I'm I'm trying to say. Uh, What I'm saying or, or what Paul was saying is that you are not under people's judgment because God has already made you alive. And that you are already qualified because God has qualified you through Christ the mediator. So you don't have to do all the bizarre things to please him. God is already so happy for you. So, whatever you do, do it out of the fact that Jesus is your head. Stick with him. Uh, Verse 19, He is the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligament and sinus grow as God causes it to grow. And you've heard the cliche saying, uh, Christianity is not a religion. Uh, Christianity is all about relationship. And that's precisely the point. Um, because for, for those who delight in false humility, you could say they are doing religion. They are not atta- attached to the head, they twist God's words to fit their own agenda, and, and then they tell you to do what they do. The inversion of self-denial is actually self-approval making themselves look good but they rob God of His glory but relationship on the other hand is the complete opposite because we are children of God and we have direct access to God already through Jesus Christ and because of having that relationship um, you get to find out what God likes and what God dislikes as you spend time with Him the same way you spend time with your friends or your family the more you get to know that person the more you, you know what he or she likes or dislikes and as you know God more you love Him more then you naturally want to do things that make God proud and, and happy no one has to force you to do those it, it comes very naturally and as you stay connected to the head the head will continue to empower you, to energize you, and to mobilize your growth. How cool is that? Uh, before we close, to help you remember the need to connect to the head, um, allow me to introduce to you Mazinga Z. I doubt any of you know that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, that's one of my childhood favorites, growing up watching um, Japanese animation. So Mazinga Z is a giant robot designed by Dr. Caputo to combat um, the mechanical beasts sent from Dr. Hell, talking about weird names, Dr. Hell. Uh, Mazinga Z is made of, uh, made of super alloys Z, uh, with lots of cool weapon systems and special abilities to fight the villains mecha beasts. But it has to be connected. To its driver. Without the connection. Mazinga Z is just an empty empty shell, useless piece of extensive metal. So stay connected to the head. Stick with Jesus. Let us pray. Father God. Thank you so much for what you have done through Jesus Christ, your Son, to defeat and disarm your enemies by His cross. Thank you that through Jesus you have made us alive. Help us to remember the facts you repeatedly revealed to us, and help us not to be led astray by, by all the false teachings or fine sounding arguments, but help us to stay connected. Christ, our head. And as we speak to your Son, Jesus Christ, help us, Lord, help us to grow, to know you more, to love you more, and to obey you and do everything that pleases you so that we might help pointing people to you and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.